My name is Miriam Hart and I'm your host. And today's episode is going to be very interesting. Not only am I doing it solo, but I'll be talking about this very interesting social experiment that I decided to do this past week, which was live without my phone for eight days. One week and one extra day, just for sniggers and boogers, I decided to be without my phone. And I want to go into some data. Before I go into why I did this, before I go into what prompted me to do it, what was, what was it like? What did I learn? Like all the things related to how did I live without a phone for eight days, which I literally did. So first time in my life outside of being nine years old and having an iPod that I was like living without a device, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and so let me give you some statistics about phones. Okay. About 50% of Americans admit that they're addicted to their phones. So this is not just like, I use it a lot. It's like they have anxiety if they're separated from their device. This is legit addiction, okay? Not just that. The average American checks their smartphone 352 times per day. 352 times. Tapping that screen. Did I get a notification? Did I get a notification? Did I get a notification? And... Almost 80% of people spend more time on their phone than they do with their romantic partner. And 60% of people spend over five hours on their smartphone a day. So 60% of people, and honestly, me included, I would spend, I would look at my phone time and it would be like six hours on your smartphone, you know, six hours and 30 minutes times you tapped your phone screen 400 times, like really absurd numbers where I was like, whoa, this is wild. So uh, Smartphone, so smartphones can be distracting. A lot of people think that silencing their smartphone actually is better, but data shows that silencing your smartphone, according to Penn State, actually increases your chance to check your phone because you're constantly saying, did I get a notification? So silencing smartphones doesn't even work in terms of like trying to remove it. So that's just another fun fact. And one last piece of stat that I'll give before I get into it is that almost 70% of kids spend over four hours daily on their smartphone. 30% are on of kids are on their smartphone past midnight every single night. 30% of kids are on their smartphone past midnight every single night. The data has skyrocketed. The percentages have skyrocketed since COVID, but also they're continuing to skyrocket even today. And that piece of data is from the Italian Journal of Pediatrics. So this is some real data that you can look up. Phone addiction has a name. It's called nomophobia. It's like, no more phone? Ah, nomophobia. That's what that is. It's real. A lot of people have it. So I just want to set the tone that being addicted to your phone is real. Using our phone all the time is getting away with our relationships. It's getting in the way of our productivity. 30% of people say that their phone interrupts their productivity immensely. Uh, And it's distracting us. It's making us constantly think about, we have this FOMO, what's going on? I have to know what my friends are up to. I don't know what my friends are up to. That's stressing me out. So it's giving us this FOMO. These are all things that our phone is doing to us. Okay. That's a little context. Now, why did I decide to completely go cold Turkey and not use my phone for eight full days? Well, a couple reasons. For one, I was just getting sick of my phone. So I noticed in myself that I was one, very much addicted to my device. I would get that anxiety if I didn't have my phone. I remember explicitly going to an event at Stanford. It was a really incredible event where Israelis and Palestinian girls were talking to each other and sharing their experiences. And 
I went to this event. It was, I was running over to it. I was going to be late. It was in the morning, like 9 a.m. And I forgot my phone. Ran to the van. I literally forgot. It was already once I left the, like my dorm room that I realized, oh wait, I don't have my phone, but I didn't want to be late. So I decided to go. So I went to this event without my phone. I remember after this event ended and even during the event, I haven't been so present at a talking event literally. And I couldn't even remember how long because I didn't have my phone. I didn't have something to look down at whenever I got bored by when somebody said something that wasn't interesting. I didn't have my phone to look down at to respond to messages when I was just in the mood of responding or there's something important that somebody texted me. I was forced to be present in that moment. I was forced to listen to every single word that the people said up on the stage. And it was so nice. It was so nice to just be so present in that moment. And I realized that the only reason I was able to be so present was because I didn't have the option to use my phone. My phone wasn't with me. That's what allowed me to be so present. Okay, fast forward. I had this observation. This was a couple months ago. Did I do anything about it? Absolutely not. I just realized like, whoa, my phone was like, really just takes me out of any moment at any time, no matter what, like whether I like it or not. So that was just a realization. Fast forward to now. To now, I've been, I'm in New York City. I'm single. I've been dating people, using Hinge, you know, meeting people in person from bars, lesbian bars, you know, the whole dating situation, New York City, going on and about, not looking for anything too serious, but also looking to have fun and just go on dates, blah, blah. And I'm dating a couple people and their text etiquette is really freaking annoying. I would send a message like, hey, you want to, you know, get dinner on Friday, let's say. And then two days later, I'd get a response. Yes, that works. When it's Thursday. And at this point, I already have Friday plans because I'm like, oh, this person's just not responding to me. Uh, and so I was just getting annoyed. And it was like consistent with all these people I was texting. They would take hours to respond. And I know that's normal. It's definitely normal to respond in a couple of hours. But like when you're sending a question and then you have these prolonged conversations. And because there are people that I was like going out with, we were actually talking about things in our texting. So it's was like, oh, that's so funny. That reminds me of blah, 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 blah. And then the next morning you get the response of like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And X, Y, Z, Z, Z. It's like this prolonged conversation that can only exist through texting. Like it hasn't existed outside of the texting realm because usually when you have a conversation with somebody, it's immediate. I just didn't like it. It was just annoying to be having these like prolonged conversations where I feel like I'm awaiting a reply and I want time to pass. And I just am constantly looking at my phone. Didn't this person respond to me, you know? And I just, it makes me feel not good about myself. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm waiting for somebody to give me some sort of validation or I am wanting something from somebody and they don't necessarily want that too. And that just made me feel icky, it made me feel icky, it made me feel gross. And so these prolonged conversations was definitely weighing on me that I was having this with, with these people. It's definitely weighing on me. So this is something that was going on in my life recently. Then I started reading, I started listening to this audiobook, something about digital conversations. I will put the name of the book in the captions. And this book was just talking about how our phones and constantly being online has been causing a big dissonance between parents and their children and also preventing kids from developing a certain amount of empathy that they usually develop at critical stages in their life. And how kids at sleepaway camp at first when they had to give their phones away were feeling like, oh my gosh, like what the heck, not having a phone. But then when researchers asked them, what was your favorite part about like going on a three day hiking trip? They said not having their phone that they actually listened to their own silence for the first time ever. They were just with each other, that the other kids didn't have a phone to look down on, so they just had to talk to each other. 
like such basic things that are so normal to our human nature has been ripped away from us. Our own nature has been ripped away from us because we're constantly looking down literally and figuratively at a device, looking down within, not at our surroundings, not who we're with. And so just reading this book, having these prolonged conversations with dating people that are just bothering me. And then also with my studies, you know, taking so many breaks to just look at my phone and check what my notifications are. I just, there's just so much where I realize that my phone is impacting my life. And I've been having these conversations with my coworkers that I decided to think about a way in which I can get rid of my phone. All right, now we're getting into how, what had, how did I make this happen? So overall, I felt somewhat enslaved to my device. I like doing social experiments with myself. Another social experiment that I did with myself was, that's why I have my computer, by the way, because I'm like reading. I like wrote notes for this podcast episode. So me and my computer, my computer is also my baby. So I, it's funny that I'm talking about how my computer is my baby when I'm talking about how phones kind of suck. But, you know, I took off messages and all connectivity on my computer too, just FYI, and my iPad. So no connectivity. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like doing social experiments with myself. I did them before. I've tried a social experiment where I apply male beauty standards to myself and I didn't shave my body or put on any makeup for like a month. And I just wanted to see how that felt. And like, just didn't put too much thought in what I wore or I put thought in, but like I was fine with repeating outfits. Like men tend to repeat outfits a lot, stuff like that. So I like doing social experiments with myself. I like playing, playing with my body, playing with how I interact with things because it's fun because we only live once and it's why not challenge the way in which you do things? Why not see what it's like to try something differently and just discover maybe you actually like that more. Maybe the only reason you've been doing X for so long is because you've been doing X for so long. You know, anyways, um, yeah, so I didn't like my phone and also there's a lot of etiquette with phones. Like if I'd say I felt that if I'd say I was at a meal with a friend and they pulled up their phone, that was like perfect time for me to pull up my phone rather than just sitting and staring at nothing. So it maybe makes them feel like pressured to just like put their phone down, but this way they can just easily respond. So you pick up your phone too. Like there's certain phone etiquette that I was discovering through these conversations I was having with my friends and through these thoughts that I was just like, well, what if I don't have a phone? Okay. So obviously I can't just not have a phone, right? I can't just not have a phone. I live in New York city. It's not a safe city. I'm a woman uh, and I dress as one. And so being in the city without a means to contact the police or my family is not safe. All right. So I was like, okay, I need some sort of SIM card, some sort of something to just connect like to the police, like to be able to call 911. I need an emergency device just so I can call 911 for safety. Like I know I want to go without my phone, but I have to be smart and safe about it too. So I needed something for just strictly emergencies. And that's when I started Googling small phones because I didn't want to take up space. And I found this guy, this on Amazon you can buy. And it's apparently a super mini phone. So yeah, and it works. You can turn it on and everything. And there's a place I got a nano SIM card, nano SIM card to put inside of it. The only problem with this is that there's no microphone. So if you want to use this mini phone, you have to connect it to Bluetooth. And so that was one thing that was annoying with it. And the other thing is that I also need to take photos because I need to, I'm an influencer and I'm not jeopardizing my career either. And so I need to somehow 
carry a camera around. You know, that was my idea. But then I realized that right now I'm recording on two cameras because I bought a small mini old iPhone to use as a podcast camera. So I thought, why not just use my podcast phone and get a SIM card and not give that number. It gives me a number, not give that number to anybody. So it's literally strictly only for emergency purposes. Not even my mom is going to have this number. This is literally only going to be a number that connects me to the SMS calling world. So if I need to dial 911, I can do that. So that's what I decided to do. On this phone, I deleted all of the apps. The phone screen is empty. Okay. You unlock the phone and it's empty. I wish I can show you guys, but I'm literally using it because it's my podcast camera. Um, so, and the only app that I'll have on there is the camera app and is the phone app. That's it. I disconnected messages, disconnected everything. So the only thing I had was a camera and a phone. Decided to use my podcast phone camera as my emergency device. If I need to make an emergency call and got started with that. So once I figured out what I was doing, how did it go? Day one of the snow phone challenge, I first told my friends, hey, by the way, I'm going on the snow phone challenge thing, so you won't be able to reach me. And I decided to journal every single day about my experience because I really wanted to document, like, what is this like for somebody who's been, has, who's had a phone since they're 12 years old, I'm 23. So most of my, all of my adolescent years, you know, really growing into the person I am, I've always had a phone in my hand by my side. What is it like to not have one for a second? So day one was peaceful and unsettling. I already hit a difficulty in the morning. I was supposed to meet a friend for a workout at 8 a.m. I remember I went down to my gym at 8 a.m. I went into the room that we were supposed to do the workout in, 8.05, 8.10, she's not showing up. I'm like, okay, I can't contact her, so I guess I'll just wait one more minute. If she doesn't show, I'll, I'll start the workout. And then I decide to just walk around the gym, do one loop, and then I see her standing in like some corner, and I'm like, hey. And she's like, oh, I've been here for 10 minutes. I was like, we always work out in this room. Why aren't you there? So it was like silly, but something that a phone could have easily solved by just saying, I'm here, same, I'm in this room, you know? So I already was hitting difficulties at 8 a.m. in the morning. And at 10.17, I wrote this quote that I wanted to share with you. It's 10.17 and I'm feeling weirdly disconnected. I'm just wondering about my mom. For some reason, it feels weird knowing that I can't reach her right now. So that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about how I literally can't reach my mom and that stresses me out because my entire life, I've been able to reach my mom no matter what. So it was literally like new experiences. So day one, I would say overall, I felt extremely disconnected from people. I had like these friends that I always call my friend Miriam from my old Muncie community. We face them a lot. My friend Fiona, my friend Andrew, these are people that live all over the world that I talk to on the phone a lot, you know, and now I couldn't text them. I couldn't call them. And I felt disconnected from them. I felt kind of just isolated, like the entire world is connected. And here I am just not online. Another note from day one is that I would always use my phone when I would go to the bathroom. Like let's say I'm working and then I'm like, oh, I have to pee. You know, I'd always take my phone with me. And as I'm peeing, do a little scroll. It was like a nice relaxing thing to do, but now I couldn't do that anymore. So I wrote in my notes, phone time, no longer, just silence. It's about 2 p.m. I find myself looking up more instead of looking down. When I need a break from my reading, this would be a time I would tap my phone screen, see if I got any notifications, maybe post something on Instagram. But now I just look up. And I have nothing to to tap. I look up, look around, stare at people at the nothingness and sit in my empty thoughts until I snap back into my readings and resume. So it wasn't even like I was 
doing anything with that free time. I was just sitting with my empty thoughts. That's what I wrote because that's what it felt like. My mind just went silent because I needed that break. I needed to turn off for a second. But turning off instead of going on my phone meant staring into the abyss, doing absolutely nothing. Day three, I start to understand more about my experience. So I, 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 I'm going to read you some journal entries. Coming home after work was a new experience. I got some food and sat down and drank water, looking off into the abyss yet again, craving some form of entertainment and not receiving any. Then I tried to get my brother to talk to me. We ended up playing a game of chess. What I think is so interesting about that is that because I was just empty with my time, I wasn't doing anything while I was eating. I managed to get my brother to hang out with me. You know, I, he saw me just looking at nothing. If he saw me looking at my phone, maybe he wouldn't have talked. Maybe he would have continued doing what he was doing on his computer, but he saw me just sitting there. So he's like, what's up? You know? And I think that that openness that I had because I wasn't on my phone doesn't really exist much in the public space because everyone's looking down at their phone. And so it's so hard to just have the opportunity to be, to say hello to somebody. You know, even today I was at my guitar lesson and I was in the waiting room and I was sitting there, not on my phone, just looking at absolutely nothing, looking at the wall. And this guy sat down right next to me, but he was staring down at his phone the entire time. If he didn't have his phone, 100% we would have started talking because we both would have been staring into the nothing. And that would have, would have been more weird for us to be silent and said, we could have said something to each other, but our phone is kind of like the third person in the room. You know, it's kind of like, there's me, there's my brother. And then if I had a phone, that's the third person that I'm talking to, quote unquote, talking to. A phone is like our friend, you know, it's our companion. So if you're alone and you have your phone, you're not really alone. You have so many people to contact. You have so many things you can do. If you're there without your phone, then you're one person. If somebody comes in and sees you without your phone, then there's not two people in the room that they see. There's just one. And there's more of an opportunity for them to join the conversation. You know, if there's just one person, instead of you staring down at a private conversation on your device, the other person, the third person in the room. So... In the evening, this is kind of a long quote, but I think it's important to just share this idea with all of you. So after like 9 p.m. this day, this third day, I remember I was doing so much work that day. I felt super productive. I took a Hebrew class. I did a lot. So I was tired. If I had my phone, I would have gone into bed replete with accomplishment for the day and would have scrolled on my socials for some well-deserved chill time. That did not happen. Instead, I closed my eyes and felt like a time traveler. I felt like Muhuddin Ibn Arabi, the Sufi master and prolific writer from Sevilla who wrote over 350 books. How did he have the time to write at such length? His magnum opus being over 13,000 pages long. Well, perhaps before he went to bed out of sheer boredom, he wrote. Perhaps when he had nothing better to do but sit and look out at the world moving around him, he reluctantly, reluctantly took out his pen. I wasn't necessarily in the mood of playing guitar. I already felt like I had done enough for that day. I was ready to just chill. My choices, however, were to go to sleep at 9 p.m., mind you, a bit too early for me, read, write, walk, or play some guitar. Guitar seemed the most relaxing. This is the boredom that I am talking about. Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi wrote over 350 books, one, because he wanted to, but two, because in his quote-unquote chill time, he must have wrote. My chill time has always been occupied by the activity that permits me to do absolutely nothing and be entertained. That being scrolling on my phone. I can sit in any position. I can hear any sound. I can laugh. I can cry. And I, can, and I literally don't have to physically or mentally do anything. 
So given the choice of playing guitar or scrolling mindlessly on my phone, I would choose the mindless scrolling. That is optimizing my chill time. However, what is its cost? Its cost is that I'm not playing guitar. I'm not writing. I'm not reflecting. I'm not entering into my state of wakeful rest. With society's messages being force-fed down my throat, messages that my body isn't good enough, that my friends are better than me, that to be happy, I have to have these lips or travel to this place or have this much money. Do I want to pay that cost? How pricey is it really? And so what I touch on there is kind of just how, yes, scrolling on our phones, being on Instagram is the most relaxing thing. You don't have to do anything. You're just lying down, eyes open. It's a wakeful rest, you know, and you scroll and you're entertained and you're stimulated and it's fucking amazing. But when we have the stimulation, what is the cost? It's society's messages being force fed down our throats. Messages that our body isn't good enough. Messages that our friends are better than us. Messages that we have FOMO or that we have to look this way or travel to this place or have this much money or being shoved with all these advertisements about makeup products that we should buy, etc. I don't want that to be my wakeful rest. I don't want those messages to be force fed down my throat. And not having a phone allowed me to spend that wakeful rest playing guitar, spend that wakeful rest reading, spend that wakeful rest doing, playing with my dog, practicing handstands, doing something else. I took ownership of my free time. And that's been definitely a theme throughout these seven days, these eight days, is how I took ownership of my free time. It would always default it to me going on my phone because that is the ultimate form of relaxation. But it comes at a cost. And so when I didn't have access to it, because it's so hard to between when you have the choices, it's so hard to say no. Something that actually is really just technically the easiest choice to take. I had to remove the option in order for me to explore what kind of wakeful rest I want to participate in. And that's when I really discovered that it's okay to do other things. And actually it can be quite relaxing too. Day four, I realized that my texting etiquette changed, meaning that when I would text my friend and I had a 20 minute window where I would post content online. In that window, I would text my friends and be like, figure out plans. So if I would text my friends in those 20 minutes, I got to respond right away. Always get to respond right away. And I think that's because I knew I only had those 20 minutes. So my texting etiquette changed where it wasn't these prolonged conversations that I really disliked. So I like the idea of only having certain time for texting time. So people know like if they want to talk to you, they got to respond right away because they won't always have access to you. You are limiting your access to the world. You get to decide when you're available. It's no longer people are just have this access towards you. You get to turn off your access to the outside world. You get to turn off your connectedness. And that's also a really great thing. And you can even do that when you carry your phone around with you, you know, just literally turn iMessages off in your settings or I don't know, something like that. All right, day five. I thought it was cool because I ended up starting to really embrace this calmness that came with silence I would say the first few days I was very uncomfortable with sitting with my silence, walking to the office without music to listen to, just all of that. I got more comfortable with silence. And also I was more social with strangers. I took my dog to the park for two hours and just talked to every stranger that came up to my dog. And, you know, I sat down on the grass and it felt weird. It felt weird to like not be on a device when everyone around me had somebody that they were with and that they were talking to. And usually when you're on your phone, that's the person, quote unquote, that you're talking to. So it's not weird if you're sitting alone 
with a phone. That's your friend. But without it, you're just by yourself. And I honestly felt socially uncomfortable. Like people might think I'm weird for not having a phone to be using at this time. So that was interesting. Day six, I would say. Oh, yeah. Day six is interesting. I still had the instincts to grab my phone. Like I remember I hit the elevator button and I was waiting for the elevator and I checked my back pocket to see if my phone was there. It wasn't. But I had that instinct to fill in these like empty seven seconds times. What was really interesting was that when I was at my friend's apartment, I was sitting on a couch and there's another girl on the couch too. And the there's buzzing. I felt buzzing on the couch. So I thought, is my emergency phone buzzing? Like, what's that about? You know, I check my emergency phone. No, I get this buzzing. I'm like, who is it? My friend, her phone was buzzing, but in my head, that buzzing, I was like, who's texting? You know, like I was so preoccupied with, I wonder like who was texting me that for her, I don't know how she was able to be so present in that moment. And that just made me think about how, I don't know if this applies to everybody, but at least for me, when I get a buzz and I feel it in the middle of a conversation, my mind instantly goes to who texted me, who texted me, who texted me, who texted me. Like it's hard for me to focus on what the other person's saying. And there's data that shows this too, that people are having a hard time focusing on conversations when they have their phones on them. Day seven was more me reflecting on my experience. And I just said this one quote that I would share. My phone doesn't get to hijack my time. I am playing more guitar. I'm reading more. I'm practicing random hobbies out of sheer boredom. And I'm learning that this is how I prefer to spend my empty time. Playing with my dog instead of watching cute dog videos. I know what escaping looks like. I know using my phone, how it affects me. I'm getting more comfortable with silence. I'm being more social. I'm taking ownership of my life in my own time. The two words for my last day are independence and empowerment. The phone allows us to escape from our reality. The phone is that third friend in the room of two people. The phone allows us to show our busyness all the time. By me removing this device, I not only was more present, I became more intentional with how I spend my time. I became more intentional with how I act with people. I felt more focused. I felt more clear-headed. I wasn't being overstimulated by information that I didn't necessarily want to look at in my life. Doing this phone cans really just changed my perspective on how I want to interact with my device and how I want to be connected with the, with the world. I'm now done with my challenge, but I'm definitely not done with this experiment. I think right now what I want to do is add my family onto my new emergency phone because I need my family to reach me in case there's an emergency, and, but that's it. And then outside of my family, when I come home, I'll have an hour of phone time. I'll go on my phone and I'll respond to my text messages. I'll do the things I have to do. It'll be intentional phone time rather than my phone just being there. Because the thing about a phone is that it has so much utility. One of the reasons that people tap it 400 times a day is because they want to check the time. You know, it's not just about scrolling on social media. But when you tap it to check the time, you see that you have all these notifications. You end up checking those notifications. They remind you that you want to Google this thing. You Google that thing. That reminds you that they want you to email that person, email that person. You have so much utility in one device that when you just want to check the time, you end up spending 30 minutes doing random things that you didn't even realize what you wanted to do in the first place by going on your phone. That's happened to me tons of times. I go on my phone to do something and I forget what I'm doing and I get distracted by my phone. So now by me setting phone time, I'm being more intentional with how I interact with my device. It's important to have a phone. I'm not saying it's not, but it's also important to understand how it's affecting you. And that's exactly what I did. 
I hope by me sharing my no phone experience with you helps you learn about your relationship with your own device. It's really something that's affecting majority of Americans, majority of people. So just learn about it and see how you feel. It's really just about taking ownership and not being a wanton. A wanton is a person who just does things mindlessly, who just goes with the flow. I want to be more intentional. And the first way to me to do that is the Descartes route of throwing everything away and starting from scratch and building up. For him, he's like, do I even exist? That was for him starting from scratch. For me, it's like, do I even need a phone? You know, just from scratch, ground zero. So that's a little bit about why I did this. And I hope that this is informative. If you like this podcast episode, let me know. I am playing with this podcast, as you know, doing all sorts of different episodes. So totally want to hear what you have to say. Follow me at Miriam Hart on Instagram at This Is Faking As A Podcast. Please give this podcast five-star rating. It really helps with getting listeners. Write a review. Tell me your thoughts and kisses, bitches. Kisses, bitches.